Bikurim Perik Dalad Mishnah Gimel for three. We continue our discussion regarding the androgynous. And as we said originally, since we're not sure if this person's a male or female, we'll be machmir for both. Here in this Mishnah we discuss the chumras that apply to the androgynous on the possibility that he is really a she and has the status of a female. So we'll have a total of eight ways in which the din of an androgynous is like a female. Here we go. It says, Shavala Nashim Ketar. In what ways is the androgynous halachically similar to a woman. First of all, mitame ba'odem kanashim. The androgynous becomes tame through a red discharge, i.e. blood, the same way that a woman does. We said in the previous Mishnah that the white discharge of a man, if a woman would have such a discharge, she would be tahora. And similarly, the red discharge of a man, oh, excuse me, of a woman, if a man would have it, so a man would bleed, let's say, um, then that would not make him tame. So here we're saying that if the androgynous, out of his female parts, has a red discharge, like blood, so then we'll treat the androgynous like a sub or nido, whatever it is, and they'll be tummy. Number two, The halachas of yichud apply to the androgynous, just as we said in the previous Mishnah, perhaps he's a male and therefore he can't have a yichud and be isolated with a woman who's not his wife, etc. So, so too, and we are afraid that maybe the androgynous is a woman, and therefore the androgynous cannot be mityached, the androgynous can't be isolated um, with another man, because maybe it's a woman. The Mishnah says, Ve'enum mityached im ha'nashim, the androgynous can't be secluded with men, kanashim, like other women. Number three, ve'enu zokek liyibum kanashim, Tugirsos actually here, either it's enozokek or enozakuk liyibum kanashim. That is to say that the rules of yibum don't really apply to the androgynous, just as they don't apply to a woman. Let me explain. So the rules of yibum, very simply, the idea is that if a man who's married dies and has no child, there's a special mitzvah on his widow to marry the deceased husband's brother that they can have a child, and that child will continue on the line, the spiritual line, of the deceased husband. So Yibum is the requirement of the widow to go marry her former brother-in-law. Okay, so there's two Gersalas, and therefore it either means that if this, the husband who died was androgynous, so then the widow has no obligation to marry the deceased androgynous' brother. Um, Or it means that if the only sibling or potentially male sibling of the deceased is the androgynous, so there's no no obligation for the widow to do yibum, to get married, to this sibling, the androgynous. Uh, The reason why in both directions it's the same is based on psukim and the idea is that the whole point of yibum is that um, in the second marriage they'll be able to sire a child who is the spiritual continuation of the deceased original husband who's now died but those halachas will never apply to a person who could not sire children in the first place and since the androgynous is considered sterile so therefore whether it's the husband who died, if he was androgynous, he couldn't have kids anyways, so therefore there's no mitzvah vibum. and if it's the sibling who's alive, that's the androgynous since they can't have children anyways, again, not applicable to yibum. Okay, next, ve'eno cholek im habanim 
Kenashim. We said in the previous Mishnah that we don't treat the androgynous like a woman in as much as if there's an estate and there's not enough money to go around, the girls are taken care of first. The androgynous is not considered a girl in that regard. That was the previous Mishnah. This Mishnah continues what happens if there is enough money to go around or there are no girls, um, whatever it is. So the normal rules of, of Yerusha, of inheritance, are that it's the boys that inherit from their father. The girls will be attached to their um, husbands, etc. So the question is, is an androgynous a legitimate inheritor, a Yorish? The answer is no. He does not get a portion with the rest of his brothers. And the reason why here is, if someone has a financial claim, as would be the case of this androgynous wanting a claim to the estate of his late father, so he'd have to bring a proof that he's entitled to it, and he can't because he's a Suffolk. His status as being a male is uncertain, and therefore he can't get any portion, just like his sisters would not get any portion of the Yerusha, according to Torah law. Next, number five, This is referring to the right of Kohanim to participate in the sacrificial meats as appropriate that are brought into the base of Mikdash. So, for example, like a Shlamim that's brought, so the Kohanim, they get to eat the Shlamim. That applies to the male Kohanim, not to the female Kohanim. And we're going to be afraid that this androgynous Kohen is really a female, and therefore he will not be allowed to participate in getting a portion of that sacrificial meat. It could be menachos, etc., whatever it is, you know, meaning that's not meat, that's a meal, but same idea. And that's what the Mishnah says again. It says, Ve'eno cholek hamikdash. He doesn't um, take a portion of the sacrificial stuff from the Mikdash, Kanashim, like other women wouldn't meaning like his sisters won't get a portion of the meat, etc., while their brothers and father do. Okay, the sixth one. Ufaso l'chol edush shebetorah kanashim, with regard to giving testimony in a bezdin, in a court, Jewish court, the rule is that under most circumstances, for most things, a woman cannot give testimony, they can't be edim, and that would apply to Sandrognus as well. Sandrognus can't give testimony because maybe he's a woman and we're machmir. Um... Fine, where a woman could give testimony, so in those cases, certainly an androgynous could as well. Mishnah Zayin, ve'eno nival ba'avera kanashim. This means that we treat the androgynous in terms of the his family tree or her family tree, um, and the specific arias, the forbidden ancestral relationships, that we treat this androgynous as a woman, meaning that there be a specific iser from the Torah for a father to sleep with his daughter, and if that would apply to, to a father sleeping with his androgynous offspring. Um, even though we said before that we treat we don't let the androgynous sleep with any man, um, so that would be true, true here also, um, there you'd have a suffolk if a man did sleep with an androgynous, you'd have a suffolk um, if he'd be liable to anything because maybe it's a man, maybe it's a woman. But here we're saying um, if the man is, let's say, the androgynous father or grandfather, etc., so then for sure um, that will be forbidden. Minotaur and, and, and cult, maybe the father, whatever, they'll be liable as appropriate because um, certainly this androgynous is forbidden to his father, whether he's a man or a woman, etc. Okay, mission, uh, the mission continues. The eighth and final difference is Ufasil menhakahuna kenashim. He becomes puzzled from the kahuna, meaning from eating kachim like a woman. So this is referring to the fact that when a, a Kohen 
every member of a Kohen's household is entitled to eat truma, including the daughters, and provided they're part of the household. If the daughter marries into another household and she marries, let's say, a non-Kohen, then she's out of the household and can no longer eat truma. Um, that's the general idea here. Now, if a member of the household, the child, is, for example, participates in a forbidden um, union with another man, so then that that girl becomes gets a halachic status of what's called a zona, and a zona is for, prohibited from eating truma, starts getting the rights of the kohen. So the idea is that if, for argument's sake, this androgynous participated willingly or otherwise um, with um, one of the forbidden relationships, like we have in the, the previous, the very previous um, case of the mission, like say with a, a father or whatever it is, so then that now ruins the status of the androgynous on the possibility that androgynous is female, meaning now that this, this androgynous no longer can eat, um, participate in eating truma. Um, in contrast to speaking it out, if a, a Kohen is a man and, say, participates in Mishkav Zachar, forbidden even with another man, whatever it is, uh, etc., or any other forbidden union for that matter, so that might be terrible and punishable according to Torah law, etc., but the technicality of his permissibility of eating truma is that a male could still eat truma as a Kohen, in contrast to the woman who, if she participates in one of these forbidden relationships, becomes a zone and can no longer. So the point of this line of the Mishnah is that the androgynous can become puzzle and no longer eat truma if the androgynous um, is involved in one of those unions that the Torah prohibits uh, on the side that, like in the previous case of the Mishnah, like with a, a incestuous relationship, etc.